Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Good morning, saints. I'm so happy to get to be here with you today. Do you know that I haven't uh, preached in a while? And uh, when, I, when I was asked to preach, oh, there you go. <laughs> See, I forget how to do things because I haven't preached in so long. I always start with this. I say, God, what do you want people to hear today? Now, yes, I, I do have a, a topic that I was given. Um, next slide, please. Um, oh, you can't do the slides. I do the slides. Here, wait a second. Yes, there we go. Okay, fathers are made in the image of God. And here's what I want to say. I start preparing a sermon by asking God, God, you love these people. God, I love these people. What, what do you want to happen here? What do you want them to hear today? And that's how I prepare for a sermon. <laughs> and along the way, God shows me things. And along the way, he gives me a word that says, here, it's this. I need people to hear about this today. I just wanted to share that with you. Um, fathers are made in the image of God. I should pick that up, sorry. You all worry that I'll kick it. Okay. <laughs> One of the most wonderful things that can happen to a man is to be present at the birth of his own child. Now, I've been privileged to do that a few times. When my son, John, was born, he's my oldest, um, my wife and I uh, went to the hospital uh, early one morning. We said, oh, this is great, you know. Baby will be born by noon. We'll be home for dinner. And uh, <sighs> we had the whole house ready for a baby. I mean, the, the, we had a special nursery, and it was all decorated with new stuff, and all the clothes were in white and green and yellow. And, you know, in the old days, nobody knew if it was a boy or a girl. You know, medical, no, it's true, in the 90s, you couldn't give anybody pink or blue for, for a new baby, because you didn't know. And uh, so we were ready with our yellow and pale green and white clothes <laughs> for this new baby. And we got to the hospital. We, Caroline was in labor. Caroline was in labor. <laughs> Caroline was in labor for 17 hours. <sighs> yeah. So now it's the next day. It's the wee hours of the next morning. The doctor looks exhausted. Caroline is utterly exhausted. The doctor's sitting in the chair, hunched over, and he says, well, I think we need, just need to do a cesarean section. Uh, the mother's exhausted. The baby is under a lot of stress. We're just going to do this. Sometimes life doesn't turn out like you wanted it to. But guess what? All of a sudden, a miracle. That baby started coming out. I think, it, I think, I think the baby started relaxing, like, oh, good, there's a plan. <sighs> and he... <laughs> And the baby came out, and I'll never forget, when my baby came out, my baby, first of all, was blue and bruised, because being in labor for 17 hours does that to a baby. 
<laughs> Newborns are not pretty. You know that, right? <laughs> I know. People say mine was, but <laughs> we know. But I stared at that blue little tiny bundle and thought, oh my goodness, that's my son. He's my son. I mean, I always knew Caroline was pregnant. I always knew <laughs> that a baby would come out. I just, I was stunned. I just stood there staring at him. I think the nurse thought I was going to faint because she said, why don't you go in the hallway and tell everybody, you know, <laughs> tell your family that the baby's here. Because her mom and her sister and my, our Pastor Brett was there, were in the hallway. And they'd been waiting for us all night. And the baby was born. And something happens in that moment. I knew, deep in my heart, children are a gift. This is my son. I'm going to take care of him, no matter what. Men, you're going to have that moment if God allows you to. A day comes when you just say, I would give up my life for this one. I would. I would actually, you know, walk in front of a, a bus that's roaring down the road to save this one. It happens to men. It happens suddenly. Don't be surprised. Don't worry. Many single men say, I don't know, I don't really care about children that much. You will. When it's your child, you will. It's a supernatural thing that happens. I learned that day, deep, deep in my heart, the children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. There's my son John. Here, he looks better in this picture. <laughs> I don't know how old he was here. Women have a... Another different experience, John 16, 21. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. A woman experiences the joy. Wow, oh my goodness, look, my baby. About two minutes after our son Rob was born, Caroline holding him, and she said, let's do this again. And I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want more kids, but really? <laughs> I, yeah, sorry. I forget I'm the one controlling this thing. Um, in Genesis 126, God said, let us make mankind in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So don't forget, when we talk about mankind, we're talking about male and female. Uh, everything Every gift, every good gift that God has is not just for men, for women too. Every bit of authority over creation that God gave man, he gave women. He gave it to us all. So today, yes, we're focusing on fathers because we're doing a series that started last week on Father's Day called Fathers Matter. But I don't want you to forget in the course of all this that men and women 
are equal before God. They've been given, uh, except for one small area, which we'll talk about in another sermon, in marriage, um, men and women have all the same rights, responsibilities, promises from God. Um, at, the, at the havens, when a new child comes, we stop and we pray because children are a gift. And what if no one has thanked God yet for this wonderful thing he's done in bringing that child into the world? We don't care how he came in. It would be terrible if that child came through rape or incest. But the child is a gift to the world. And God hasn't yet perhaps gotten the glory for that. So we make sure, we make sure that every child, uh, that, that God is thanked for every child. In every birth, parents share the glory of God, who is the creator of life. This is the first way that fathers are made in God's image. With our wives, we create we create life. Okay, I'm telling no more stories about babies, except this one. This was, because this was really funny. <laughs> Different thing. I mean, everybody's got a story about how their baby came. But honestly, one of our children came, and we, were, we went to the hospital, and the nurses looked at us, and two hours later, she's ready to push. And we're saying, like, where is the doctor? Turned out the nurses didn't believe us. They didn't think she really was in labor. They'd never told the doctor. <laughs> so Caroline was pushing the baby out when they finally <gasps> ran to call the doctor. And uh, anyway, funny things happen along the way. We have forgiven all those people. <laughs> oh, but it was scary. It was scary for a few minutes. Like, can you do this? Yeah, I've done it before. Okay, if you're sure, that's... Let's do it. Um, now, there was a wonderful moment with Gabriel Webb. Many of you know my son, Gabriel Webb. Gabriel, stand up and wave. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because Gabriel started life at Baby Haven. And when children are in Baby Haven, my wife and I pray that God will send their parents. So, we were praying, God, send Gabriel's parents. It was taking an unusually long time, like the months were slipping by. It doesn't usually take that long. I said, God, where are the parents? I said, okay, God, start speaking to the parents. <laughs> where are they? And one day, after a conversation with one of my pastor friends, I knew. He said, it's you. <laughs> You're the parent. <laughs> So I went home. Gabriel was still in a cot at that time. I marched into the baby haven part of our house and went over to his cot and looked down at him. I said, hi, son. It's me, Daddy. <laughs> I'm getting off track. Sorry. See, I told you that was going to take too long. Okay. Now. I need you to remember what happened because I, okay, okay, I've preached this before, okay, apologies. But something happened in the Bible early on that caused men to be poor fathers, absentee fathers, 
Adam was seriously an absentee father. You know, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and Adam had said, I mean, excuse me, God had said to Adam, please make sure you don't touch of the fruit of the tree of good and evil. Remember that? Who did God say that to? Adam. said it to Adam. Eve wasn't created yet. Eve came along later. And where did she get the good news from? Well, she did hear it from Adam first. But then her friend, this, you know, the devil, um, the snake, decided to help clarify things for her. Say, well, he didn't mean, God didn't mean you die, per se. God meant, you know, actually this will be great. You'll be just like him. The tree of good, and, the knowledge of good and evil, who is that? That's God. You'll be like God. So uh, Eve was seduced by the Satan. And then she went to Adam. Now, this is the terrible moment. This is really the awful moment in the story of the fall. Because Adam knew what God had said. God had looked him in the face in the day when men could still look in the face of God and told him. And Adam absolutely knew. He was not confused what it really meant and did God really mean that. He knew. He just decided to disobey for whatever reason. Wanted to please his wife, was really curious. We don't know when God confronted him. He said, you know, well, 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 you know, it's the woman you gave me. She's the one. <laughs> I'm sure that didn't go well, down well in their marital relationship. <laughs> and uh, actually, well, I'm going to tell you that in a moment. But he knew, and he was ashamed. And shame was appropriate response, by the way. Adam's shame made him unable to be the father he should have been. It is the curse of fallen man that they are ashamed of who they are. What do we know about Adam after the fall? Not much. Not much. He was not there. He was not there when his children entered into a dysfunctional, murderous relationship. He was not there to warn them, to correct them, to soften the blow. After the worst happened, he lived to be 930 years old. And you know what the Bible says about him after the fall? He had children. Nothing else. He had children. It named three of them. Then it just said he had a lot more too. Nobody talked about him. He wasn't in there trying to get creation going on really solid foundations. He wasn't correcting his sons. He was just there somewhere. He was ashamed. He was ashamed his whole life. Some of you know what that shame is like. Or you had fathers who were like that and you could never figure out what was wrong. But they were ashamed of themselves and ashamed of their lives. But you know what? We don't have to live with shame. We don't have to live with shame. That is why Jesus came down. That is why he died for our sins. Because everybody that bows his knee to Jesus Christ is delivered from shame. If not quickly, then slowly, but it has to go. Because Jesus died for that. And it's paid for. And you don't have to worry about it anymore. But he was ashamed. And that was the tragedy of the fall. That he never could be the father 
he was supposed to have been. Sin corrupted the role of fathers. Okay, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. <laughs> we love babies. We love babies. Most of our, my, mine and my wife's married life, when we're in a public place and the baby's crying, we always go, oh, that's so cute. We, we don't mind babies crying. Babies are a gift. <laughs> but please go to the back. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> For the sake of everyone who hasn't been delivered, we do have... <laughs> We do have places you can go with your child, but you're not going to hear it from me, okay? Okay. You know, when Cain, after he murdered Abel, God came to him. God came to him. God came to him. God acted like a father. Adam did not come to him. When God judged him, and he was crying for mercy, and God said, okay, I'm going to make sure you don't die. Okay, nobody's allowed to kill you, but yeah, you're still going to have, you're still going to have the curse on you. Adam wasn't even there. I would love to, in my mind, I keep seeing this picture where there's God and there's Cain and, you know, the, Adam is standing right behind Cain with his hand on his shoulder, helping him get through, you know, the worst moment of his life. But Adam wasn't there. Men who have not come to know Jesus Christ, are really going to battle to father well. You need Jesus. You really do. The shame of sin keeps us from being who we were meant to be. But when men are in Christ, they take their true identity as fathers in the earth. And they can exhibit godly characteristics. So, Back to our title, Fathers Are Made in the Image of God. I struggled when I first read that because I thought, yeah, sometimes, because we know fathers can do terrible things. Fathers can be abusive. Fathers can, you know, um, molest and ignore, absent themselves, be cruel. So there's a lot of fathering that is terrible. So today I'm talking to you about what happens when you give your life to Jesus Christ and the shame goes away and everything is possible again. I want to talk to you about some of the things, some of the characteristics of God that you can have if you give your heart to Jesus for those of you who haven't. And that will make all the difference in your life. Five ways we must imitate our Father in heaven. Five characteristics or attributes that you can have. First of all, what is God like? He's slow to anger. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. I'm not sure Eve ever really forgave Adam about the, you know, the pointing the finger thing. Because, no, really, if you read Genesis, when she had her firstborn child, you know what she said? She said, 
God and I have brought forth a son. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. It seemed like even she was ready to cut him out of the picture. She may have been slow to anger, but mm, it was still there. Okay. Their Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. Some of you know Pastor Bill Bennett. Um, he was the founding pastor of this congregation. And many years ago, tw probably 20 years ago, I was in a staff meeting here. And I'll never forget, a campus minister came in and said, now look, I've got to, I've got to tell you about something. I've got to tell you about something stupid that I did. And he told us how he had wanted to do a concert on campus. And he had hired a band. He had hired a really good band. And he signed a contract with that band in the name of our church. And he had hired a management agency to manage everything else and a ticketing agency to sell tickets to this event because obviously he had to pay for all the money he was putting out. All in the name of the church. And he signed all these contracts. And then at the last minute, something came up, and I think it was the, uh, the it was a venue problem. They couldn't get get a venue, and the whole thing fell through. And uh, of course, the companies don't care; they're waiting for their money. So, this pastor came, told us everything he had done and everything that had happened, and it was a lot of money, guys. Ugh. And I remember looking at him across the staff room and just thinking, I'm going to miss you. <laughs> I, could not, I could not believe that he was going to, like, you know, finesse his way through this one. <clears throat> and Pastor Bill sat there listening to all of this. And uh, when he was done, he said, uh, and Bill had some forewarning. He had come to him first. And Bill said, well, what this shows me is we don't have proper protocols in place about who can sign contracts and who's allowed to do it and how many people have to sign and who has to be consulted first. And that was it. And then he said, okay, great, next point. And we went on to something else. Gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. This is something we can all be as Christians. And by the way, I need to tell you two things. That pastor is still an Every Nation pastor today of a you know, good-sized congregation. And secondly, it is not Pastor Simon. Okay? <laughs> Just want you to know. He asked me to mention that too. <laughs> Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, Ephesians 6, 4. I know this is tough. It's tough for dads. It is tough. And that's why it matters that you can be delivered from it. That's why it matters that by seeking God, by living a repentant um, accountable life, you can stop being that way. I, and of course, women can be angry too. But men seem to have, <laughs> I don't know what, seem to have a much worse problem in this area of anger. But praise God, we don't have to be like that. We can be just like Jesus. We can be 
slow to anger, rich in love. Years ago, again, a long time ago, uh, Pastor Simon and I were having a, <laughs> um, you know, a passionate disagreement about something. <laughs> and, uh, and it was something, I don't remember what it was, I really don't remember what it was, but it was something I was responsible for, and I had to make the decision. And he was saying, you know, you need to do this, you need, you need to do it like that. And I was, you know, being all, you know, you know I just, I just, I didn't agree and I didn't, and I didn't have to. So, you know, I was being, I had a bad attitude. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and in the middle of that, I suddenly looked at him and he was like, he was almost purple. He was so angry. And his eyes were big. And, and he said, okay. He said, you know, I think I've got a good answer. And I want you to go home and I want you to pray about it and then tell me what you think you want to do. And he left. And I thought, oh my gosh, how much graciousness. Slow to anger. He never said an inappropriate thing. Rich in love. And after that, I remember thinking, well, he's obviously smarter, godlier, and got more grace on him than I do. So I'm going to do it his way. And and I was glad I did. Um, if you know God, if you know Jesus, he'll help you to be like God. He'll help you to be slow to anger. And I really wanted to encourage men especially, but all of us. You can be slow to anger. You don't have to drive down a Joburg Highway honking the horn and yelling and making gestures out the window. You know, you can actually just... Do what my wife does. Oh, Lord, help that person. They're going <laughs> to they're, they're have an accident if they keep acting like that. Whoa. Lord, they're not even going to get to work the way they're driving. Whew. Lord, help them get to work. Amen. Help them to calm down today so they don't drive like that on the way home. <laughs> it's the fruit of the Spirit. We can be like Jesus in this way that haunts all of us. Slow to anger. You can be a promise keeper. <laughs> you can be a promise keeper just like God. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one, <laughs> every one, was fulfilled. Every one of them. He kept his promises. Do you want to be like that? Keep your promises. Keep your promises. It's tough. You know, we have a hyper-sexual society that teaches us, if you watch, you know, enough Netflix, where you begin to believe, yeah, well, that's just everywhere, you know. That's just, every one of us is likely to, you know, suddenly have an affair. Um, it's not true. It is not true. It's not true. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's something Satan wants us to believe. And it's not true. You can actually... <laughs> You can actually be faithful to your spouse all your days. You know, my father was. I know he was. Um, he told me. My mother told me. And, and he was. And, you know, in his generation, that wasn't so unusual. But um, anyway, uh, you know, I was, I, I need you to know, I led, and if you've heard enough of my sermons, you know, that I lived quite a reprobate youth. You know, I was not... Pure, I was not good-hearted when I was young. I just wasn't. I got born again. Everything changed. 
But you know, then I got married. And one of the testimonies of mine and Caroline's relationship is that I've been faithful to her. I've been faithful to her. I didn't start out as the kind of guy who would be faithful to her. She's cheering in the front row. And, then, <laughs> um, and we even, in quiet moments, have said to each other, <laughs> we have funny conversations, you know, it's like a, it's like a miracle. That's not, that's not who you were. That's not who you were likely to be. But God changed you. God made you able to be a promise keeper. You can be a promise keeper too. Get to know Jesus Christ. Let repent when you need to repent. And yeah, does it sometimes take a season? Yeah, absolutely. But you can. You can. You absolutely can be a promise keeper. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, good. That's enough. I don't want to lose track of time here, so I'm going to move right along. Um, God's always there for you. <laughs> and we can be there for people too. We need to be there for our families. We need to be there for almost everyone we meet. And sometimes we need to be there for perfect strangers. When God speaks to us, stop. Help that person. I think of the story of Hagar and Ishmael when uh, Abraham threw them out into the desert and God came to them and said, it's all going to be fine. And he fed them. And he said, you know, Ishmael will be a great nation too because he's the son of Abraham. And he was there for them. When they thought there's nothing left, we're going to die now. He was there for them. We can be there for people too. And you know what? It'll shine in heaven as a glorious thing. And we were there for people. One of the things I love about our crisis response team is that they're there for people, you know? Ooh, shack fire, let's go. Call everybody, let's go see what we can do. What kind of foods do they need? Make the list. This person makes the list. Those people go and shop. Those people go deliver it. I love that we are there for people, not just people in the church, just people we hear about, people in our community, people we can get to. We need to be there for people. It's tough. Oh, I know, you sit on the plane. Are you one of those people that like prays that no one sits next to you on the plane because you're tired of being there for people? But the great thing is, God gets the last word. <laughs> he wants to put somebody next to you, he will. And then you're gonna have to buck up and say, okay, here we go. Hi, how are you? My name's David. <laughs> And if they got, that's usually how you meet people who need prayer. No, it's true. You know, I mean, that's not where you meet people whose shacks just burnt down. But it's where you meet people who have real issues in their life and don't know what to do. Um, God leads us. <laughs> he wants us to be leaders too. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, you people, and your father's house to the land I will show you. I'm going to stop there. Um, when my wife and I came to South Africa, it wasn't too hard, actually, because she had a word from God when she was a teenager that she was going to you know, live her life in Africa. And by the time I was, I don't know, 22, I had a word that I would spend my life in Africa. 
So after that, all that had to happen was we had to meet so that we could go together, and we did. Um, people often say, people still say to us today, why are you here? You could live in America. Why would you be in South Africa? It's like, really? First of all, this is a great country. Yeah. And second, <laughs> and there's, amen. I said, don't you read the papers? Don't you know America is one of the weirdest places on earth? One of the most unsafe places to be in America is in a public school? No. We're very happy to be here and glad that God called us here. But here's the other thing. We knew what God had said to us. We knew he had said go. And we knew that we, if we didn't go, <laughs> that we'd be disobeying him. How would you like to live with that over your head your whole life? Talk about shame. Yeah, when we were young, God told us to go to Africa, but we just didn't do it. No, you don't want to live like that. When God tells you something, it doesn't matter how hard it is, you say, yes, sir, let's go. Pastor Jim Lafoon, many of you know who that is. He's a prophetic minister in our movement. He said this to us once. I'm not saying this to brag, but just it touches me so much. He said, because of all the children you've taken care of, the Lord has declared in heaven that every one of your children and every one of your grandchildren will serve the Lord. I thought, that's everything. What do I care if I didn't get to live in America and eat McDonald's six times a week, you know? It's like, we obeyed the Lord, and he says it touched him, and he's going to give us the desire of our heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God always leads the way. We must blaze the trail for our kids to follow, for us to know which way to lead. Like Abraham, we must follow the Lord. Finally, last point, God gives identity. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. How many of you pray to hear those words from your heavenly Father? And many of you pray to hear it from your earthly Father, too. Hey, this is my child. It's my daughter. I love her. I'm so pleased with her. This is an attribute of God that you can have. And that as you develop in your Christian walk, you will have. You'll figure it out. You'll learn that you must constantly think about people you're looking at and be ready to say something. Ready to say, wow, you have such a gift at whatever. I'm often saying to Pastor Greg, he's like, he's like the most pastor pastor in this church. You know, sometimes after church, I try to pray for people, and they say, no, I'm waiting for Pastor Greg. Lareka's <laughs> <laughs> laughing. We all have had that experience. <laughs> He's such a great pastor. But when you know something about something, don't like, you know, whisper it to your wife on the way home. Say it to them. You know, you're just great. You know, you are I just admire this about you. I appreciate this about you. And here's the thing. You need to say it to your kids. 
And you need to say it over and over. When you're proud of your kids, you need to say, I am so proud of you. And they'll, first of all, long after you're dead, they'll remember it. Because kids need to hear that from their parents. It's an attribute of God to give people identity about who they are and what's great about them. So practice. And if, you, if you're not intuitive, then just ask God to help you. He'll help you. He'll tell you things to say. He'll tell you, wow, make sure you comment about this. And sometimes it seems silly, like, wow, you know, you always take time to look great at church. You know, it could be something like, I mean, if you don't know anything else about the person, say it, if it's true, you know. And don't make up stuff, that would be bad. Um, God speaks identity into people. You know, I got born again because a pastor had courage to speak identity into me. And this was in that season when I was, you know, living very badly. And I'll never forget, I'm going up for prayer after a Sunday service and uh, talking to this pastor and just telling him, telling him like, you have no idea, you know. I am such trash. I mean, I'm like this, and I'm like that, and I do this. And he kind of nodded, and he said, well, not anymore, not after today. And he said it that quietly, and it broke something. He said, never again, not after today. Bow your head, pray after me. One of the things he also said, which kind of shocked me, because it was kind of a, what we call a word of knowledge, he said, you know, you're a very unforgiving person. When you start forgiving people, God will help you to walk the Christian walk. I was like, what? That's weird. What does that mean? <laughs> and uh, he said, just pray after me. I forgive my, you know, forgive my friends, and I forgive my girlfriend, and I forgive people at the church, and, and I forgive my father. And when he said that I should repeat after him, I forgive my father, I was like... He said, oh, that's it. Raise your hands. I was like, okay. And he, he grabbed my hands, pulled them up into the air. He said, repeat after me. I forgive my father. And I, of course, repeated after him, crying, weeping, he said, that's it. He said, it's broken. He said, you won't have these kind of problems anymore. You'll be able to walk the Christian walk. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Guys, today we're so close to closing now, and I just really want to make sure I did two things. <laughs> I just trust that you believe me, that you can be, you can have attributes of God, godly attributes as fathers, as mothers, as human beings, <laughs> if you follow Jesus, if you, if you say, I'm going to let him take the shame, I'm not going to be like this anymore, and I don't want anybody to think I'm even like that. But it, here's, the, here's the thing, you do have to know Jesus, and you do have to say, Jesus, I give my life to you. So um, we are, we're closing now, but could, you can, no, I'm going to change the slide. I can do it myself. There we go. That's the end. Okay. Um, 
Let's all stand up, please. Was it funny last week, a couple weeks ago, I was closing, and I said, I feel like the Lord's told me two people are going to give their hearts to the Lord. And I said, and I'm not leaving until they come. <laughs> and so we all sat here for like five minutes. So if you feel like you need to give your heart to the Lord, please do it quickly so the rest of, rest of everybody else can go home. But seriously, seriously, it's this simple. It's this simple. Pray a prayer. Confess publicly that Jesus is Lord. I'm not going to make you use the mic and I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to make you stand up and make a public declaration. You've made it right here with a few of us nearby that can hear. So if it's your day, if it's your day, if you say, yeah, I definitely want that. I definitely want to start walking for Jesus. Please come forward. I'd love to pray with you right here, right now. Okay? Is there anybody that says, today's my day? Yeah, I'm absolutely doing that. Okay. I actually don't have a word today who's doing that, so there's one. Welcome. Anybody? Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Okay. Y'all just pray with me. Nobody else coming, right? Okay, y'all just pray with me as we pray this prayer. If you would just please repeat after me. Jesus, Jesus, I give you my heart today. I give you my heart today. I repent of my sins. I, of my sins. I accept your salvation. I accept your salvation. I look for you to change me. I look for you to change me. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. It's that easy. Yes. God bless you. All right. All right.